Marco Gallo. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in BC and Alberta. Born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you're from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. All right, welcome back, everyone. Um, today's headliner topic, I'm going to talk about purchasing and financing a property on leased land. But before we get to that, here's what's on my mind this week. Canada hit a pretty major milestone for 2021. Um, 401,000 people became permanent residents. Uh, this was the biggest intake or promotion I'll use that word promotion of new Canadians in 100 years, like literally since 1913. We, we've, we haven't uh, converted that many Canadians to permanent residents. But the interesting thing is the way in which they reached this figure. And uh, it was a result of a technicality. So there are basically two streams to draw from. Um, when declaring the official number of permanent residents in Canada. There's the existing base of, of what's known as foreign nationals. These are people that are already living and working in Canada as temporary residents, you know, the people with work visas and study visas and stuff like that. And then there's the more direct stream that arrive to Canada directly from another country. And typically, 75% of Canada's intake draws directly from abroad and only 25% from the already implanted, you know, the various type visa holders, which I kind of thought would always be the opposite. But anyhow, it's uh, 75% directly from abroad and 25% um, is the draw from those that are already here. But this year, because of COVID, of course, the draw was flipped. So of the 401,000 newly minted permanent residents in Canada this year, 75% of them were foreign nationals that were already living, already living, and either working or studying in Canada. And the majority of them located in, you guessed it, the two largest cities in Vancouver, Vancouver and, uh, sorry, the two largest cities in Canada, Vancouver and Toronto. Coincidentally enough, the two highest priced markets in the country, and probably amongst the highest on the planet, and, and probably the universe. So how did this impact real estate in Canada's two largest markets, you might ask? Well, it suddenly freed up a market of home purchasers to proceed with their long-awaited plans of purchasing a home in Canada, which they were able to do so under their previous temporary resident status, but were subject to the costly foreign buyer tax of 15% in Toronto and 20% in Vancouver. But when you become a permanent resident, you are no longer on the hook for the foreign buyer tax. So boom, if you're wondering where some of, the, of 2021's real estate demand came from, for sure a good chunk came from this group. And um, this is a group of foreign nationals that have already been in Canada for a few years already and have been saving their cash and just waiting to become permanent residents. 
So do not portray this group as newly arrived individuals. These are genuine working class, mostly white collared families um, and individuals that have already assimilated into Canadian society and, and its economy. They've contributed to the economy already for several years. Many of these new Canadians are already familiar with Canada. Um, they've already been here a few years. And what made this unique is that in the past, when 75% of new Canadians just set foot in the country from abroad, there was a period of time, typically two to three years, where they would rent before purchasing. But this year, um, the large number that became permanent residents already lived out their welcome to Canada honeymoon phase. So the instant they got their permanent resident status, they placed an offer on a property. So add to this group the growing millennial demographic, who are now entering their strongest earning years, by the way, the everlasting and resilient baby boomers, who just keep on keeping, and of course the, the middle child Gen Xers, like myself. Real estate in Canada literally is busting at the seams. Um, I'm still convinced our way to some level of affordability, some, just some level, um, is by increasing our supply. I say it time and time again on this podcast. So all we can do is wait and see. Either interest rates shoot up and discourage people from buying, which really doesn't fix the problem because people just need somewhere to live. Or we start building up more inventory. And it'll likely be a confusing conundrum um, of both approaches. But I'll tell you this, I think the demand is here to stay and uh, for a while yet. So we'll continue to see how that unfolds. On January the 26th, the Bank of Canada made their first scheduled announcement for 2022. And uh, to almost everyone's surprise, including me, they didn't raise rates. And the rate I am referring to is the overnight lending rate in Canada, which directly correlates with our general consumer prime rate. Um, it's still at 2.45%, and many thought that it would have increased by a quarter percent. But here's what they did announce. Um, they basically said you can like 100% certainly expect the first rate increase for the next scheduled announcement, which is on uh, March, March the 2nd. So there are eight regularly uh, scheduled announcements throughout the course of the year. So we just passed the first one. The second one's coming up in March and you can expect uh, an increase in prime rate. So there you have it. It's a go for March 2nd. We can now talk about Will it be a quarter point increase or will they double up to a half point increase? So I think it'll be a quarter point. Um, and of course, they're going to pass it on to the general consumer prime rate, bringing it up to, you can expect, 2.70% from where it is right now at 2.45. So cheap money still being cheap. It's still around, but it's on its way up. So heads up. And uh, by the way, if you're wondering, variable rate mortgages are ranging anywhere from 1.2% to uh, as high as 1.9%. 
and fixed rate mortgages, you can get them uh, from about 2.49% to as high as, I've seen as high as 3.29%. Which leads me to my next point. Are variable rate mortgages still a good idea? Before I comment any further on this, I'll say this. For the last 25 or 30 years, variable rate mortgages have actually outperformed fixed rate mortgages. And for some people, that, that's all they need to hear. And they, they walk away feeling informed enough to make the decision. But I won't leave it at that. It's a tough decision for many and totally understand that. And um, that's also why I do this podcast, of course, to help people make informed decisions about their mortgages. So back to the point here, is a variable rate mortgage a smart move in today's rising environment? My answer to that is still yes, but with a couple of conditions. So the first one being, are you financially um, prepared to handle any changes to your current monthly budget? And um, this is pretty simple to determine. Um, You know, text me and request my app, which is loaded with calculators, and um, and do some round number forecasts. So start with today's rate, prime minus one, you know, and that would get you 1.45%. On a separate piece of paper, note your monthly payment, okay? Then do the same in 1% increments up to, let's say, 4.45%, okay? So from 1.45% to 4.45%, you're determining your monthly payments. And if you can handle these figures, you're good to go. Or better yet, determine the threshold where you start feeling discomfort. And maybe that's at 2.45%, never mind 3 or 4.45%. So you need to be the judge of your comfort level and don't let anyone attempt to sway you otherwise. Um, Like totally be honest um, with yourself about this. Now, the second condition has far less to do with the actual rate um, and the potential volatility you may encounter. Another reason why people opt with a variable rate mortgage, regardless of what the interest rate environment is, is because the payout penalty for fixed rate mortgages have the potential to be massive. And many people think that when you break a mortgage ahead of its term, you will be subject to three months of interest payments, and that's it. That is absolutely the case for variable rate mortgages, but not 100% the case for fixed rate mortgages. If you break a fixed rate mortgage ahead of its term, you are subject to either three months worth of interest payments or interest rate differential, whichever is greater. And trust me on this, you don't want it to be the interest rate differential. You may have heard of massive penalties that a family member or friend has incurred on their mortgage when they sold their house. And and I'll throw out some numbers here, like we're talking 15, 20, even as high as 40 to $50,000 in payout penalties. Okay, these, these stories that you hear, these are interest rate differential penalties on fixed rate mortgages. And I'm, I'm not gonna get into detail about interest rate differential in this episode, but feel free to listen to episode 50 of this podcast um, to learn more about it. I discussed mortgage penalties in great detail in that episode. But hey, 
I'm not saying to always expect massive mortgage penalties for fixed rate mortgages. If you decide to break them ahead of their maturity dates, okay, but the possibility absolutely exists and you need to be totally aware of it. So knowing this, if there is a possibility that you may sell your property or possibly even require a mortgage refinance down the road, um, this is something that you should absolutely factor into your decision. So to sum it up, are variable rate mortgages a good bet these days? I think, hell yeah, absolutely they are, depending on how high the interest rates go and, and how or if you can manage any payment increases and the likelihood of whether you will break your mortgage ahead of its term. If you have a hunch that things in your life are pretty volatile and various scenarios can unfold in the near future, then I would definitely have a more serious conversation about a variable rate mortgage, just because it's so flexible. And lastly, even with all of this uh, talk on increasing rates these days, that doesn't mean variable rate mortgages like are doomed and they're a, they're a losing strategy. It doesn't mean that at all. With the variable rate discount still being offered today, it will take quite a few increases in prime rate to put you in the red. So give me a call and let's have the conversation. 604-800-9593. Let's begin and discuss this week's headliner, purchasing and financing a property on leased land. Hey there, just a quick reminder about my servicing area as I know many of you are listening from across the country. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in the provinces of Alberta and British Columbia. So if you are from these parts, shoot me a text at 604-800-9593 or look me up at homefinancingsolutions.ca. Throughout your dealings with me, you will also be introduced to my support team, Justin and Kelly. With the three of us, you can be rest assured we get every angle covered. And finally, over the years, I've built up some incredible working relationships with real estate agents, lawyers, notaries, home inspectors, and appraisers. So if need be, I can also be your one-stop shop and hook you up with a complete real estate team. The process is quick and swift. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. And now, back to the episode. Every so often, I receive a mortgage application for a property purchase that is situated on leased land. By definition, this means that if you purchase or own a leasehold property, you own only the structure or property on the land not the actual land beneath it. So heads up, literally, you only own what lies on the land. It's not your typical real estate transaction as you will always be attached to a lingering sense of uncertainty. What if the lease doesn't renew? Or when it does renew, will there be new conditions? Can the leaseholder suddenly appear at my doorstep and rescind on the, de- on the lease? These are all excellent questions and all of which require your lawyer's involvement early on in the offer stage. Do not remove conditions on an offer without having your lawyer review the lease agreements. Be sure to forward all documents and subsections associated with the lease. There could be many of them. And while your lawyer is reviewing the leasehold agreement, have your mortgage broker inquire to lenders to see which ones will finance the property, because most of them won't. Here are some key points regarding leasehold properties. There are various forms of property leaseholds. The most common are city, corporations, university, and First Nations reserves. The most challenging leaseholds, First Nations reserves and private corporations. More lenders decline leasehold properties than those that are willing to lend against them. 
This alone could potentially reduce demand for the property with prospective buyers that require a mortgage for completion. And those that are willing to finance on leaseholds will not approve a mortgage for a term or an amortization that is longer than the lease itself. As a result, leasehold properties are typically less expensive than regular properties, and in some cases, significantly less. There could be additional fees associated with leasehold properties, just as there are with traditional properties such as home ownership association and lease payment costs. Here are some key leasehold terms that lenders look for when reviewing the leasehold agreements. Must be in favor of the borrower. Must be signed by the landlord and assignable to the bank. Cannot be subject to renegotiation at the landlord's discretion prior to the expiry of the original term. Lease must be prepaid for the entire term of the lease. No restrictions or limitations on the resale of the property. To conclude, here are the two massive takeaways when it comes to leasehold properties. Takeaway number one, submit a copy of the lease to your mortgage broker and lawyer before proceeding with an accepted offer. And takeaway number two, ask for an extension or outright collapse the offer entirely if your lawyer and broker haven't reviewed the leasehold agreement and given you their blessing to proceed with the deal. That's all I got for today. Call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all, especially if you're in British Columbia or Alberta as I am licensed to service these specific provinces. And especially if you are from Vancouver or Calgary as I'm very familiar with these markets. And of course, I welcome calls and emails from all over the world for those that are in the process of or have recently relocated or immigrated to Canada from elsewhere. Call or text me at 604-800-9593 or you can get me on WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. Or just go ahead and link up to my website, homefinancingsolutions.ca. Thank you again for tuning into Mortgage Genomics Canada. Stay well, everyone. Talk again soon.